It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Hey, it's Thursday. Gary, how are you? Doing great. Doing great. Yeah. Good day. Yeah. Got sleep. <laughs> awesome. That makes one of us. I'm, I'm, I'm getting some, uh, some, some sleep. Great news. I mean, last night uh, when I was coming in, actually two nights ago. Yeah. Because now we're past midnight. Right. So uh, it would have been uh, uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Right. Jumped in my old car, which I hadn't started for like 11 days. Right. Just because it was so cold out, I went, oh, I'll take the new car. Because my old car, for people that don't know, my old car is actually will be 21 years old in May. Right. Uh, closing in on 250,000 miles. Legal to drink. Legal to drink? Yeah, 21 years old. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's yeah. legal to drink. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and and so I get in <laughs> and uh, said, so I'll take this, take it to work today. Because I take it once in a while. I only put like three to 400 miles on it a month. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it's my second car, and I can throw, you know, stuff in it, and I don't care. Right. Um, you start it up. All of a sudden, I'm like, uh-oh, there's hesitation here. I'm like, well, and I've, you know, I've had the I've had the cylinders missing. This was more hesitation. So I went, maybe it isn't a spark coil. Maybe uh, it isn't a fuel injector, because that's what it's been every time. Mm. I'm like, yeah, no, because I think I've had every fuel injector replaced. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I think every spark coil has been replaced. Right. And so I'm like, God, yeah, I got more time. So I started driving. I get a mile, and all of a sudden, it's still hesitating a little bit. I'm on my way to work. and, and I'm, But I'm really not because I'm like, oh, okay, I may not go to work in this. Let me take it around a couple of blocks. Then the engine light came on for like 10 seconds, or mm, probably six or seven seconds, and it went off again. And then I'm like, is it gone? And it seemed like it was gone. I went, can't take the chance. So yesterday I went out when I woke up and I drove it like 15 miles. It's fine. So it was moisture or whatever in it. So Right. It's like, oh, yeah. So that made my day. Yeah, well, that, good luck on your drive home. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of thing that makes my day. Like and, Greg Abbott said, this ain't over. <laughs> well, I, you know, you and I just, when we came in, looked at each other and just went, Wow. You know, yeah. the headline out there, yeah. Democrats call for Biden to use National Guard oh. to keep the to keep, keep the, the border, border open. open. Yes. So he needs to nationalize. No, think about that. The, the National Guard in order to keep the border open and keep the chaos going in, you know, in the state of Texas. Yeah. But think about where it is right now. The Biden administration is moving to remove the border barrier. Yes. By the way, the Border Patrol will tell you that where that razor wire is, crossings have dropped dramatically. Oh, yeah. Well, the Border Patrol, the the, the actual agents back Abbott. Yeah. He's helping. <laughs> He's He's helping them because he's keeping people from coming across. It's insane. Oh my gosh. If Biden moves, 
This is what I love about this situation. Both the buses that are going to these major cities, these blue cities, that now that story has gotten everyone's attention. Between Mayor Brandon Johnson and Mayor Adams in New York City, it's never ending. You know, you saw in New York City, uh, what did they, it was, was it an old hospital building? They're paying $77 million to use this building to house immigrants, whatever building it was. And I thought to myself, the headlines are every single day. And the reason they are is because the people in New York and the people of Chicago are tired of their local leaders doing nothing about it. What we don't hear is the people of Chicago, people of New York City screaming, stop the sanctuary policy. I haven't seen that kind of protest, haven't seen that on a large level, but man, I would love to see, get Scott Rasmussen on the phone. Well, I'd love to see a poll on well, that. This story from MSN, uh, MSN.com, uh, numerous Chicago residents, including multiple black Democrats, have sued the city in response to the influx in migrants, and they blame Biden, not the people, uh, not uh, people like Texas Governor Greg Abbott. There you and, go. Uh, Abbott recently ordered the Department of uh, Public Safety uh, troopers to arrest single men and single women illegally crossing the southern border in the Shelby Park area of Eagle Pass, a hot spot for migrants entering the country. And then we know what happened on that. Uh, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson, along with others like New York City Mayor Eric Adams, have called on the federal government for more assistance as uh, Abbott has bussed some 80,000 migrants to Democrat-controlled cities for the past year. Uh, let me see. There are seven lawsuits right now against the city of Chicago, uh, including three filed by the people by uh, people of color, according to the Free Press. Mm. One was filed by Chicago West Side resident uh, Kata Truce, a 57-year-old mother. Another filed by a former Texas U.S. House of Representative candidate, uh, Daryl Jones, uh, a, a a Democrat DEI. Uh, strategist, wow, <laughs> really, and and reparations proponent who lives in the Chicago South Side. Oh, <laughs> uh, what the Democratic Party doesn't want black people to hear is that this is a Biden policy. Jones told the Free Press, "Biden is allowing the borders to remain open." The 52-year-old said the influx hit home for him and his neighbors. Some 95 percent whom are black when a local abandoned high school intended by locals to become a community center was instead reformulated into a migrant shelter. Mm. There is just this level of disgust, Jones said. The community has wanted this building back for so long, and now you want to use it this uh, this way that would be harmful. There was no way we were going to stand for that. They say it's Abbott, but these migrants couldn't even be getting through if it wasn't for Biden. There you go. Well, we had said all along, they can't sell this. You know, that there was a headline um, uh, yesterday about, uh, you know, uh, Kirby says that we, <laughs> talking about John Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> Kirby says we might, I thought, when I read it, I went, is this the Babylon B? Uh, Kirby says we must take down border barriers uh, in order to secure the border. It's like, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's that's where they are. It's fear insanity. 
They're fighting to remove the barriers. Yeah. And, and, and we've seen this before uh, with some of the blue cities and, and people that live there. Uh, remember several years ago with the caravans that were, you know, arriving at the southern border. And the problem was is, and I think that was during the Obama years, and they were spending a lot of money on housing. And then uh, I don't know what they, they, they said at first that they were deporting them. And then it got out, well, they're not deporting them. They're just moving them around to different parts of the country, which, by the way, is exactly what the Biden administration is doing. The majority of those people arriving in those blue cities is coming from the federal government moving them, not the state of Texas, to be clear. But the people in those cities were saying, you're spending all of this money on people who aren't citizens and you're not spending enough in our neighborhoods. And that's what you're seeing here in these lawsuits in Chicago. We wanted a community center, and now it's going to be a center to house, uh, house migrants. And, you know, we don't, we don't want that in our neighborhood. Yeah, but they've been uh, not, not <laughs> I almost was going to say not to be critical. To be critical, they've been voting for this for decades. No doubt. But my point is right. you can't win it with the left or the right. Right. Oh, yeah, I know that. You, no, you can't win the argument now, but I just was thinking to myself, it's like these Democrats now are screaming they've been supporting this policy until, again, they had to pay for it right. or until it affected them in some way. Well, and if you apply the, you know, the, uh, the recent uh, poll that shows that people put, the, uh, a number of people put the border issue even above the economy right now as, as a priority. If that remains to be the case in these major cities, especially in November, that's bad news for Biden. Mm -hmm. That's bad news for him. And you, because you can't wait. Well, tell me what's going to change. Nothing's going to change policy wise in these cities. Well, and, and, and nothing's going to change from the administration. Well, and by what Abbott has done. Uh, you, we all know how Biden responds. If the Republicans do something, he will double down on the bad policy. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen it because you've seen how, and, and they will attempt to justify something that they can't justify in a way, by the way, I'll tell you this in a way. Abbott is really helping the Trump campaign. <laughs> well, I was about and, to say and, he's doing right now. He's Abbott is doing more for the border issue right now than's ever been done than 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 I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. And then you saw that DeSantis and like five six other governors also came and said they full with the statement full support for Trump. We'll get to all that or mm -hmm. full support for Abbott. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So um, yeah, this thing uh, basically what they're saying is okay. This is what you want. <laughs> You're either going to. You're either going to have to concede to the Republicans or you're going to have to publicly double, triple down on something that you can't sell the American public. Yep. And that's not going to change between now and November. It's not. I, it's if, if Biden were to win in November, it's not going to change. 
because you're not going to change Joe Biden. No, I, he's defiant at every turn. That border is going to remain open, Jack. <laughs> I was doing that to somebody this past weekend, <laughs> but I was doing the um, I was doing the John Lovitz on on Seinfeld. Was it you? I was doing it too. Was it here? Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was because I was walking down the hallway. You know, I'm going, that's the way it is, Jack. Yeah, never, <laughs> never seen the one where he has the, has yeah. the hairpiece yeah. because he. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you like this, Jack? <laughs> so it's like <laughs> somebody has to ask Biden, uh, are you impersonating Lovitz? Or what's going on <laughs> exactly. here? I mean, it's like <laughs> and it's, um, you know, I I think that was the story yesterday. The Abbott story was oh yeah it was just I mean Every, it was it was more than a gauntlet it was the next logical step in this legal battle between yeah. the state of Texas but really every state and I was going to say border states but it really is every state because you look at it the citizens of these states I haven't heard by the way where's the leftist protesters. Keep the border open. Keep the border open. Keep the border. I haven't seen it. Am I missing that protest? I haven't seen that. I I went to the protest channel on YouTube. Didn't see it. And that's the, you know, there's the problem. Where's your support? Well, I know you and I, day one, I forgot whether it was when the razor wire or when they, uh, I forgot which one it was. It's either the razor wire or when uh, they said, okay, we're locking down the park. That yeah. It was the razor wire. We said by by him doing this that, well, let's just be inclusive. Everything that he has done is to get the Supreme Court to review it again. And yesterday, right. when you looked at this, and we'll read the statement coming up here following the bottom of the hour. Um, when you look at the statement that he wrote, it's all about what the Constitution says. Yep. It goes, I mean, everything goes back to the, it's a legal argument he's making. Right. The the moral argument the Republicans have, the argument yeah, they've yeah. won with the American public. Yep, yep. And now it's time to, uh, and now it's time to, uh, you know, take it to the courts and see where the courts go on it and get back to exactly what we have said. In the United States of America, if you go back, you know, when there were, 13 colonies and the federal government, you know, or, you know, 13 states. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Constitution, you know, was uh, was was written. Do, did they, the founding fathers at that time, believe that if the federal government, which was never supposed to have the responsibilities that it has today, the federal government was never supposed to be this big, mm-hmm. ever. They were never supposed to take on as much responsibility as they did in everybody in people's lives. That was not the origination of this country or what the Constitution wanted. Now, there were some that wanted a bigger central government, but I doubt they wanted it this big. Yeah, but, right. But when you get into it, they all, because it was basically based that the states control themselves, but the federal government was there to protect the states and to protect individual rights. Yeah, to defend the states, you know, and whatever, for you know, in time of war or whatever, or invasion, as it says uh, here. But uh, 
it was never thought that the federal government in the Constitution never thought that the federal government could purposely harm a state. And a state has no recourse whatsoever in the United States of America. Right. That you just must accept it even when, and we'll lay out what he said, even when they're not following the rule of law. Right. And that's why we asked the other day, is the Chevron case going to affect this? And it could. It might. It might. Well, we got so much to talk about. Mm -hmm. 866-90-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Dim lights are an early warning sign that your alternator is degrading and near the end of its life cycle. Lights that are brighter than normal, on the other hand, can indicate your alternator is overcharging. Get a full electrical system check if you notice your headlights getting dimmer or brighter. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, the other thing is, I mean, the other story yesterday, because I've shaken my head, I'm like, wow. Just, you just, like, 
they think they're going to win this. Yeah. Uh, the Biden vetoes bipartisan bill protecting uh, U.S. electric vehicle industry from China. He vetoes it. Yeah, right. The bipartisan bill to say, wait a minute, you can't be giving subsidies to China. Right. How, how do they think they're they're not going to win this with the liberals? Well, no, but I mean, you know, after <laughs> just after the big, you know, uh, uh, sweeping a uh, cleaning of the of the uh, feces off the sidewalk in in the Bay Area for his meeting with G, it should be obvious who he favors. They don't favor the people of San Francisco who have been suffering through that and, for and, who knows how long. Only when Xi decides to come to town, and when it comes to EVs, sorry, Elon. And so I see that, and then the next thing I see is, I mean, almost in succession, like ten minutes apart. Yeah, I see that Biden vetoes bipartisan bill protecting U.S. EV industry from China. The next story really that hit me was UAW endorses Biden. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you've got to be kidding me! Right, I'm, right, seriously. You know, that made me, I was just discussing that with you during the break, that made me go to the Babylon Bee to see some of the headlines to see if if maybe the real media was copying off the ba- the Babylon Bee. Right. <laughs> because it's just, it's just pure insanity it right is. now. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, one of the things we love doing is we'll, you know, we'll look at an issue and say, hmm, how can the left argue uh, on it? And a lot of times we'll sit there and say, okay, uh, let me try to argue the left's position. Even if I disagree with it, let me see if we can argue it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, when I uh, read this today, I went, okay. What would the liberal argument be against this? Right. And and uh, this is uh, the, the statement from Texas Governor Greg Abbott yesterday. The federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. The executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. The result is that he has smashed records for illegal immigrations, despite having been put on notice in a series of letters, one of which I delivered to him by hand. President Biden has ignored Texas's demand that he perform his constitutional duties. President Biden has violated his oath to faithfully execute immigration laws enacted by Congress instead of prosecuting immigrants for the federal crime of illegal entry, President Biden has sent his lawyers into federal court to sue Texas for taking action to secure the border. President Biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statutes that mandate the detention of illegal immigrants. 
the effect is to illegally allow their mass parole into the United States by wasting taxpayer dollars to tear open uh, the Texas uh, border security infrastructure. President Biden has enticed illegal immigrants away from the 28 legal entry points along this state's southern border, uh, bridges where nobody drowns, and into the dangerous waters of the Rio Grande. Under President Biden's lawless border policies, more than 6 million illegal immigrants have crossed our southern border in just, the, in just three years. That is more than the population of 33 states in this country. This illegal refusal to protect the states has inflicted unprecedented harm on the people all across the United States. James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. That is why the framers included both Article 4, Section 4, which promises that the federal government shall protect each state against invasion. And Article 1, uh, Clause 3, which acknowledges the state's sovereign interest in protecting their borders. And he, and he lists the, um, uh, he lists the, uh, the actual Supreme Court uh, uh, case on that. Mm. The failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4 has triggered are the Article 1, Clause 3, which reserves to the state the right of self-defense. For these reasons, I have already declared an invasion under Article 1, Clause 3 to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. That authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. The Texas National Guard, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority as well as state law to secure the Texas border. That's a pretty powerful statement, and it covers everything. And you and I said from the very beginning, we said, okay, this is about taking it. He's, he's taking this to the courts. Uh, yeah, that, uh, what you heard there was a legal argument. Yes. What you heard should be read verbatim at the Supreme Court when the hearing is. Uh, when they ultimately get this case, that's going to be the position of Texas. And we'll have the support. And we've already seen it from a handful of other governors. Because this goes beyond... The Biden administration just not enforcing the law. They changed the laws. Yes. Administratively. Through interpretation. And this is where I think the Chevron doctrine may apply. You know, because you say, uh, you know, administratively, well, this is our interpretation of asylum. Yeah. Well, hell, oh, or you could just apply why? whatever or. Since we don't, because by law, everyone is supposed to be detained in detention centers. And uh, when the detention centers are full, if they get full, but if you're closing the border, they don't get full. 
well, then you don't allow them into the country. Right. What they're saying is because there's so many that they have, and because the law doesn't, the law doesn't, you know, the, the law states that they go to the detention center. Right. You know, that's the normal policy. Right. And what they're saying is, well, since the, uh, let me, let me correct this here. Since the law doesn't state, they're claiming specifically that if the detention centers are full, they don't come into the country. They're saying, well, our department has decided because this is such a humanitarian emergency that this is an emergency clause, and so they can all come into the country until we can decide, uh, you know, when they have an asylum hearing. And that would not exist if they did not change the criteria for asylum. Right. Exactly. They 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 changed the criteria. Well, they just changing the right. law. They, and beyond that, then created their own overflow clause, which doesn't exist in the whole detention thing. And those are the key elements there because you see it. They're putting because at then they're putting the burden on the local cities and the and the states to take care of detention. You're seeing that play out in New York and Chicago. Right now, if you have any question, that's the responsibility of the federal government. And when detention is full, the doors close. Right. And if you wish to build more detention centers and go to Congress for it. Right. To get the funding. Because basically, it is, you know, saying this, it really is um, almost a Bill Clinton-esque, but, but a... Uh, but also part Obama, this is our interpretation. Remember the whole Title IX thing? Oh, yeah. This is our interpretation of Title IX. They're still doing that with the Biden administration on Title IX. And this is the potential for that Chevron case to undo a lot of that. And I hope that it does. I'm hoping it is that far-reaching if it comes down that way. But the legal battle between Texas... And the federal government is the battle. If you think about it, go back to um, go back to Trump building the wall, building the wall, building the wall, building the wall. And by the way, remember you were we were talking about how you know you, you can see the polls. The American people are with you. They don't want people coming here. The American people don't want legal immigration right now. And so when you look at all this. You go back to the Trump years, the polls showed then your baseline support was was there even then, long before what we're seeing right now with this massive surge in, in people coming here. The difference was if you changed it up and added the word wall in the in the polling the numbers would change a bit. But the majority of people back then supported Donald Trump on the issue. And now, there's no question. The American people do not want this. They don't support Biden on this. And this legal battle needs to happen at the Supreme Court. And frankly, I can't wait. Because the only arguments that, they, that the Democrats have is that, number one, the 
everybody has a right to be here, which, of course, is ridiculous, and nobody buys that argument. Right. And the uh, the uh, um, other argument they're making is, well, but but we wish to allocate the money to solve the problem, yeah. which, again, right. is a lie because, right. no, they wish to – they're asking the Republicans for money so they can bring more people – into to process more people quickly into the country right it's not about closing the border right and that's why i think it was very important for the number of uh border patrol union leaders to come out and say we don't need more money it's policy the same week that former ice uh former uh, temporary ice director tom homan who has been part of the um you know border patrol since 1984 came out and said that in the hearing last week, mm-hmm. said, sorry, you know, you, you, <laughs> you don't have a, you don't have a point and talked about the fact that this, you know, this president is actually, you know, breaking the law in order to, to do this. And he's been, you know, with them since 1984. And he said, you know, this is, it's, um, it's wrong. It's just, and everybody knows the legal argument, the moral argument, Democrats can't win it. Biden can't win it. And then when it's like, <laughs> when the, the border patrol comes out and says, we don't need the money. When Tom Harbin comes out and says, we don't need the money. Uh, nobody can argue that point. Democrats lie about, they've been lying consistently about what's going on at the border until they can't lie anymore. And then they changed the lie to, well, we're trying to solve the problem with comprehensive immigration reform, and we've asked the Republicans for millions of dollars to solve this problem, which is a lie. They're not trying. Solving the problem to them is not solving the problem that the American people want, which is close the border. Right. So everything is still a lie. They've just moved on to a different lie. Yeah. That's where we are. Yeah. We're simply at a different lie now. It's, All right. Time to move the goalpost. Time to move the goalpost lie over here. Right. Or move the entire field. We're going to move the game to a yeah. different field. Yeah. I mean, that because they can't win. You're not going to win on the issue. And, and then <laughs> the call, because it was, you know, the liberals were running with it. All right. It's time. The, the call to nationalize the National Guard. To keep the border open. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God. Yeah. What the? It's just, I, I, did you ever think that we would get to a time like this where nothing make, made sense at all? I mean, it doesn't. I used to be able to understand some of liberalism. I disagreed with it, but I understood where they were coming from and politically where they were trying to go. You know, well, we need more money for the poor. All right. You, yeah, I you, know why. I know why they thought that was appealing. Yes. Yes. You can uh, tell me, justify this one. You can't. No, there's, there there's is, no there justification no as to what's going on. They can't sell it to the American people, so they lie. Right. Does any Democrat listening right now actually believe that you're being told the truth <laughs> over the last year, a couple of years, as to what's going on at the border? I mean, seriously, if you're a Democrat and you're watching Mayorkas, you're watching. Kirby, Corinne Jean-Pierre, or Biden, anyone speaking on this? You know the truth, and you know they're lying. 
big time. It's insane. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety red eye on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. It's on radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So I'm reading here from uh, uh, Fox what uh, Representative Greg uh, Cesar from Austin, I believe, mm. uh, said, Greg Abbott has continued to, this is uh, where he has called for the, uh, you know, to use the National Guard, mm. uh, to nationalize the National Guard to keep the border open. Greg Abbott has continued to use political stunts and inflammatory language to advance his own agenda, violating the U.S. Constitution and endangering both U.S. citizens and asylum seekers. Abbott is following the Donald Trump playbook, making immigration harder and more dangerous so asylum seekers are pushed into the hands of cartels and the system remains broken, end of quote. So what he's saying is the Constitution requires that the border be open. Yeah, right. That's the point he's trying to make. The because otherwise the bad guys win, basically. Right. That, if the, that if the borders were completely open, then the cartels would have no power. Right. <laughs> then legalize fentanyl. Yeah, I mean it's just I, this is just. I mean, I mean the, 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 those. That's basically the argument you're making. I know it's <laughs> an open border means the cartels have no power. You have no clue what you're talking about. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I was waiting for it yesterday, and I didn't see it till just now. And this is what Democrat is going to make, try to make the uh, comparison, uh, uh, you know, between uh, uh, Brown versus the United States. 
you know, uh, and what's going on at the border. Yeah. Beto did. Ah, okay. Beto. Abbott is using the Texas Guard to defy a Supreme Court ruling. When the governor uh, did this in Arkansas in 1957, Eisenhower federalized the Arkansas uh, National Guard to ensure compliance with the law. Biden must follow this example of bold, decisive leadership to end this crisis before it gets worse. You're talking about two very different scenarios. I know. It's extremely different Mm -hmm. scenarios. Thing is, (laughs) when we can figure out where they're going... And and how unsuccessful it will be? Right. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Right, it's like they they've completely run out of ideas. And I, but I was waiting for it yesterday. I'm saying I'm waiting the comparison, waiting the comparison mm-hmm. to Arkansas. Yeah, waiting for that whole thing, waiting for this, waiting for this. There it is. There it is. And of course, he got off his skateboard in order to make sure that he had a completely wrong analysis of what's going on here. I don't know. Maybe he maybe he uh, texted it from his skateboard. <laughs> Texted. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag emoji. Um, <laughs> but it's it is two very different legal arguments. Two very different roles and two very different scenarios. But that's okay. He's Beto. So. Well, we did ask We did ask a couple of weeks ago, where is he? What's he up to? Oh, there he is. Remember? Yeah. There he is. He makes a... Now, it, it, <laughs> is this evidence that he's going to run for another office in Texas again? I'm for open borders, and I'm for federalizing the National Guard well, for open borders. I wondered, because for a while, I thought, this is... You know, years ago, several years ago, I thought, well, he could probably go back to his El Paso district and run again. I don't know if that's the case now. He's, you know, I mean, he's a local guy and back then had that kind of support. But I don't know if he does now. He might. I'm just saying I don't know that to be. I don't just. Like I was before, I was just saying it going, oh, yeah, well, you know, he's had that support all along. I don't know that he does anymore. Because the people of El Paso are pulling their hair out, too. You know, uh, remember uh, Biden's visit when he was, you know, nine miles from the border? And they had to go in and and they worked for days to clean up everything in El Paso, to make it look better than it was, of course. And I don't know, since everything that that has happened, I'm not sure he has the same support. Maybe he does, but I can't can't bet on that. I wouldn't bet on that. Before, I probably would. Years ago, after he left that office for a number of years, I would, all right, yeah, local guy, he could come back. He could win it. If that seat came up, he could probably get it. Not sure that he could. Now. And this is where the Democrats, I don't know, I don't even, bubble's not big enough of a word 
for the disconnect that they live in. It's a complete delusional state. And the disconnect here is that we the debate used to be in the abstract. Should even up to the, you know, the first Trump administration or what, you know, when Trump was first running for president in 2016, even back then. Well, should we build a wall? You know, the images weren't playing out. The buses weren't coming in to New York City. Well, actually, plane loads were, but that was the federal government sending them there. And the people in New York City or the leaders in New York City didn't say anything about it then. But you're not seeing it play out. In the, you didn't see it play out in the media back then. It was still somewhat in the abstract, even though in a border state, we all know, it was reality. And Governor Abbott helped to make it that kind of reality for many more people. But this discussion now is far from the abstract of, well, should we do this? Should we do? People are coming across that border in droves. And it ain't going to slow down. We're having a mild winter uh, I know up here in North Texas, we've got, what, 60 degrees today? Yeah. We're having a mild winter. We have an election year, and people who want to get across that border know, you better get across now if you want to get across. So we're going to see this surge continue, and, and as the warmer it gets, the more it's going to increase all the way up to January 20th of next year. I think that inside the White House, they have confidence that they they believe, you know, they, you know, remember it was April of 2020 where it was the, the policy came that Biden, you know, should just be in the basement and not campaign at all, right. hardly at all. Right. They believe that would be effective. I believe now what they think is they can defend the indefensible and still win, that they can have insane policies and they believe that they can win. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I believe. That's mm. where the Democratic. That excuse me. That's where the administration is right now. Yeah. And that's why you see Biden out there every day. They're not following any of the Democrat advice. That you know, like as as Van Jones said over the weekend. Apparently, on was it over the weekend or whatever? On, no, he said it on uh, on uh, the uh, uh, primary night where he just said Biden needs to be in the basement. There's no confidence at all when he speaks at all. And every time he speaks, it's a complete disaster. Mm -hmm. I think inside the White House, they are such in a bubble of delusion that they believe that he can go out every day and mumble and stumble and his surrogates can be out there defending the indefensible, promoting ideas that the American public believe is insane and that they can still get elected. That's what I believe is going on inside well, they, the White House. Well, you know, they're not hiding them. No, they're not. No, not at all. And every day he's out there, you shake your head going, does he have a clue? Does he have a clue? I mean, it's... it's. I would love to know. 
I would love to know. I'd love to be a fly on the wall inside that campaign, the Biden campaign. Someone made the point yesterday, look, Biden hasn't even started his attack ads on Trump. And that person also brought up the the fact that, and we've been talking about this, that they'll probably use a lot. In fact, they will. It's a given. They're going to use a lot of images from January 6th over and over again in their ads. We've said that since uh, January 7th. Yeah, of that year. Yeah. We said that. They said expect in, you know, in in uh, uh, three years they'll be, you know, using it on a consistent basis. Yep. And I believe they will. I think that's because they have nothing else. No, they have nothing else. Build the fear over and over again. Build the fear. Yeah. And I heard two people yesterday in the media well, Trump's not, or, or uh, Biden's not going to be the nominee. Biden won't be the nominee. He's not going to be the nominee. Right now, he's the nominee. And he's campaigning. I don't see him, I don't, because I think if they wanted to slow that roll and, and then slam the brakes on and him pull out, you would see less of him right now. And he's not going to go into hiding. They're going to do campaign stops. He'll be at a podium. He'll mumble. And the people will cheer like they did the other day. Yeah, I know. He couldn't even understand what he was saying in there. It was like, it was almost, you and I said, it's almost as if they get instructions. When he pauses, even if yeah. you have no idea what he says, make sure you cheer. Right. If you don't know what he says, right? And you and I said, "Well, we can't analyze. We can't analyze what they're cheering about." We tried to break it down and said we broke it down. You know, this is what we think he said. Where even if you try to understand and say, "I think this is what he is saying," as we said, it made no sense. It, it, Trump it, thinks that the men and women, America, that he just just wait for the benefits, right? What? Yay! Yay, and they cheered. Obama would say things and they would cheer, and it would be things that he said would be absurd ideas, but at least you could understand what he said at the time. Right. You you could have a discussion and say... You could say, okay, as as we did. Yeah. As we did the one time, go, well, he's... He's because when he was the the time when he was in Houston, yeah, and, windfall, yeah, and said, uh, oil uh, tax. "Are you sick of high gas prices?" Yay! Well, <laughs> so am I. So if I become president of the United States, I'm going to put in a windfalls profit tax. Yay! And it's just like, wow. He just told them, "Are you sick of high gas prices?" And they cheered. And then he communicated, <laughs> "Well, then if I become president." I'll make gas prices higher, and everybody cheered. Yeah. Now it made no sense, but we can guarantee the the if you cheer at that, you're economically ignorant. Yeah, yeah. As a significant portion of Democrats are right, completely and to, and a growing number of Republicans, but still way more Democrats have no idea how about economics and how it works. Right, none. Right, eight six six ninety red eye. 
Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, Barbie and coffee. <laughs> you, heard, you heard the World Economic uh, Forum uh, was blasted for talking about climate change and the need to cut back on coffee production worldwide. Yeah. They just got... While everybody in the room is taking a sip of their coffee going, <laughs> whoa, what? After they took their private jets. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> yeah. Each of them had their own private and, Starbucks uh, operation on the jet. <laughs> and, and and the best thing ever. And pro- I, I don't know if we probably would have brought it up because of the feminist angle on it. But uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Hillary Clinton talking about the fact that uh, the, the movie Barbie and that the director and uh, Barbie. Uh-huh were not nominated for an Oscar, but Ken was the man got the nomination. And, and in a in a in a <laughs> the movie that they view as a feminist movie, uh-huh. the guy gets the Oscar nomination. Yeah. Ken gets the Oscar nomination. Yeah. And the and the funny thing is, this is what set off feminists on social media. Yeah. Not not the radical, insane transgender movement where men get to define what a woman is. <laughs> it's the Barbie movie. But the Barbie movie. Yeah. Fake women. Yeah. The fake. Well, there were a number of Barbies. That's why I said women. Mm. I tried watching it uh, over uh, Christmas vacation, I think it was. Or was it? No, it was a three-day weekend. We had a couple of mm. weeks. Uh, and and uh, I couldn't get through the first five minutes of it. I yeah. just went, this yeah. is just dumb. Yeah. And, and so I I couldn't come to an analysis of it because it bored me to death. But that I just love that story yesterday. Finally, feminism. Feminism now is back in order to protect animated women. Pretend well, they actually wasn't animated. Pretend mm. women. Yeah. Right. Barbie isn't real. Yeah. Right. It's uh but you know, Hillary can relate. <laughs> she's also been snubbed multiple times. Yeah, because she used the word by her husband, by the American people, people, by the American people again, by the American people again. So she relates. She relates totally. 
Uh, <laughs> one of the best dang stories ever. Yeah. <laughs> the feminist and other, we must protect the women that don't exist. Yeah. Only in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. And in little girls' minds. Right. But when it actually comes to defending real women, out of hell with you. Well, see, here's the thing. You know, Hollywood has been all over the place. You know, they okay, we don't have enough people of color that are nominated or winning. Right. So now DEI is involved, as we know, in right. movie making today. Right. And and now, okay. The white, uh, the white the, man. If, if, if the man is nominated, the woman most, must always must uh, also be nominated every time from the same project? Not only that, I realized it's the white man. Yeah, the white male. That's right. Yeah. My gosh. They can't get it right. Liberals just can't get it right. Well, you know, in in critical race theory, what Mm. you must understand is every white man actually wishes to be Ken. (laughs) Right. Make it it up as you go along. You know, just make yeah. Now nah, for me it was GI Joe. GI <laughs> Eric doesn't have a ring to it. You know what I mean? It just didn't as much as I wanted it to happen, it just didn't. Uh, yeah. Kung Fu Grip. I don't know if you're you were probably older when that one came out. That version G.I. Joe with a Kung Fu no, I, grip. No, I remember it. You remember it? Yeah, I remember it. I mean, because the ads must have been everywhere. I guess yeah, they were because yeah, it's the only reason that I would tell my parents, I got to have that. You, but you know what I'm thinking of? And that was just last week. Do you, yeah. remember, do you remember? And I believe it was G.I. Joe. It was Remember when uh, Michael Richards was on Fridays? Mm. And yeah. He would, he would, yeah. He, and he was. The sketch show. Ba- yeah, and he was basically. Sketch pl- show, yeah. Pl- basically playing in the sandbox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what it meant. Yes, yes, that was a great. That was a great sketch. Oh, I know it. My gosh, was that was a great one. I know it was fantastic. Wow, that was great. And I also had the six million dollar man action figure. Did you really? I did. It couldn't lift anything heavy at all. <laughs> it was crushed by my bicycle repeatedly. there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. most influential radio show in the world on now at this moment red eye radio 
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Oh, speaking about the border, Senate conservatives uh, spoke up yesterday. We'll get to it in just a moment here. This is from TheHill.com. Senate conservatives are ratcheting up their opposition to an emerging bipartisan deal that would fund Ukraine and address border security, declaring it. Now, it's almost as if, did you did you consult them on this? Did you consult the Republicans, Eric, on, on how, how they should... Uh, uh, label this because uh, this from the hill.com Senate conservatives are ratcheting up their opposition to an emerging bipartisan deal that would fund Ukraine and address border security, declaring it a stinking pile of crap. End of quote. I heard someone use heaping steaming pile of garbage the other day. Oh, okay. Two. I mean, it's so we want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, I cannot uh, confirm nor deny that I was part of it. <laughs> that will all. Declaring it a stinking pile of crap that will allow millions more migrants to cross the country without uh, any resistance uh, at all. Uh, Ted Cruz uh, argued at the press conference Wednesday that former President Trump was able to drive the number of migrant uh, crossing the border to just more than 500 people a day without this stinking pile of crap bill. He accused Republicans negotiating the legislation of only wanting to provide money for the war in Ukraine and said that they will merely provide the semblance of border security reform to achieve that objective. Let's actually go to the press conference yesterday and hear some of Ted Cruz's comments. The Biden border crisis is an absolute humanitarian disaster. And Democrats don't care. Last year, 853 migrants died crossing illegally into this country. Alejandro Mayorkas didn't even know how many had died because he didn't care. When I brought 19 senators down to the border, we saw a man who had drowned floating in the Rio Grande. Democrats don't care. Last year, thousands upon thousands of children were brutalized and sexually assaulted by human traffickers, and Democrats don't care. Last year, thousands of women were sexually assaulted by human traffickers, and Democrats do not give a damn. Last year, more than 100,000 Americans died of drug overdoses from Chinese fentanyl flooding across the southern border, and Democrats do not give a damn. Now, you may say, well, come on, that's harsh. They care. They care. Somewhere in their hearts, they care about all the people suffering and dying. Baloney. Because if they cared, they would stop it. If you cared about the children being raped at the border, you would say no more. When Joe Biden came in, we had the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. He inherited success, and he deliberately broke it. Democrats want these open borders. And this bill, this mysterious bill, that is buried down in the basement of Chuck Schumer's office, all of you has a, have a living as reporters. Ask yourself, why have you not read the text of the bill? There's a reason. As bad as we think the bill is, I promise you it's worse. The people pushing this deal knew, no, if the American people knew what was in it, they would be against it. This supplemental bill is a kamikaze plane in a box canyon with no exit headed for a train wreck. If you look at this bill, the bill is not designed to fix this problem. By the way, the single greatest national security threat to America, this right here. I think the odds of a major terrorist attack in the United States are higher today than they've been any time since September 11th. You know what? In that spike, how many Hamas terrorists are there? How many Hezbollah terrorists are there? 
And what are we going to say when they carry out an attack here like October 7th in Israel? This bill is not designed to fix the problem. This bill normalizes 5,000 people a day coming in. 5,000 people a day is over 1.8 million a year. That's called an invasion. By the way, under Joe Biden, we've had 9.6 million. So the great Republican compromises were for two-thirds of Joe Biden's open borders. We'll let in 6 million instead of 9 million. This makes utterly no sense. And there's a reason. Republican leadership is like Charlie Brown with Lucy in the football. And over and over again, they run for the football, and over and over again, Lucy Schumer pulls it away. And Republican leadership lands on their ass. They entered this negotiation saying, we will only do what Chuck Schumer will agree to. He doesn't want to fix this. He wants it to continue. So negotiating with Chuck Schumer on securing the border is like putting Hannibal Lecter in charge of a go-vegan ad campaign. He might dine on your liver with a healthy side of fava beans, but it's not going to remotely do what the suggested objective is. Final point. Not only is this bill utterly ineffective in fixing the problem, but it's designed to fail. The chances of this bill passing the House of Representatives, I can quantify it mathematically. The chances of this bill passing the House are 0.000%. It ain't going to pass. At lunch, we had a vigorous discussion at lunch yesterday. I asked leadership, why on earth would you be teeing up a vote with every Democrat and 10 or 12 Republicans that has no chance of passing the House? It's not going to become law. And I get it. Leadership really, really, really wants Ukraine funding. But that doesn't happen unless you get a bill that can pass the House. The only purpose of taking this up is giving Democrats political cover to say, gosh, we would have secured the border. But those pesky House Republicans didn't let us. It's a good talking point. It's complete baloney, but it's a good talking point. This bill represents Senate Republican leadership waging war on House Republican leadership. It's not designed to secure the border, and it won't secure the border. And that's why leadership wants it kept in secret. They don't want anyone to see the text of it. Republicans in the Senate ought to have the sense and sanity to say, secure the border, or else we're not going to go along with providing fig leaves to cover up the deliberate failure of Joe Biden and the Democrats. They have caused this crisis. We can answer any qu anybody's questions. Yes. Uh, I have one for Senator Cruz, uh, actually, about Texas. So the Department of Homeland Security has sent another letter again demanding access to Shelby Park. Uh, Texas is not evacuating, as you know, instead uh, deploying even more razor wire. Do you think this will ultimately lead to a showdown between the Federal Border Patrol agents and the National Guard in Texas? Listen, I'm proud of the great state of Texas. I'm proud of our governor. I'm proud of our state legislature because they're stepping up and defending our state from invasion. Listen, the mayor of a bunch of blue cities, the governors of a bunch of blue states have declared illegal immigration emergencies in their states. That's true in New York. That's true in Boston. That's true in Massachusetts. That's true in Chicago. That's true in L.A. Eric Adams, the liberal Democrat in New York, has said illegal immigration is destroying New York City. That's 110,000 people are destroying New York City. 
I agree with him. But if 110,000 people are destroying New York City, what the hell do you think 9.6 million people are doing to Texas and the other states on the southern border? And so Texas is stepping up to defend our state. I'm glad we are. But the reason Texas is doing so is because Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats affirmatively want this invasion. By the way, you want to know why negotiating with these guys, why they're doing it in such bad faith? They are today, as you pointed out. Joe Biden is litigating against the state of Texas to try to stop Texas from securing the border. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is the greatest friend the Mexican drug cartels have ever had. He is the greatest financial benefactor the Mexican drug cartels have ever had. He is the single largest human trafficker in history. Now, that may sound like hyperbole, but those 9.6 million people, when they come over and turn themselves in, they tell the Border Patrol agents, I want to go to the following city, and they pick a city. And Joe Biden puts them on planes and puts them on buses and sends them to every city in America, and Joe Biden is the last mile of the human trafficking network. So, yes, Biden is fighting ferociously to stop Texas from defending ourselves. He is wrong. But it shows that Biden wants this, and the only thing Biden wants next is to make Ron Johnson have to buy a bigger poster board because the chart goes higher. There you go. And we criticized, you know, when this negotiation first started, and they started talking about, you know, how many people Republicans would allow across the border. And this is where Republicans cut their own throat because now they can say, and it's not going to pass the House if this bill ever gets you know, uh, there. But if you get 10 or 12 uh, Republicans and the Republican leadership behind this, then you can make the case, well, it's what the Repu- a number of Republicans want, too. Right. Well, no, it's bipartisan. Yeah, it's bipartisan. The border will be open. Just how open will it be? It's insane. It's completely insane. Because when we first heard it, it was one of those things where we both come in. Wait a minute. Is this right? Did somebody hack somebody's account? Yeah. Is this accurate? It is. And it's insane. We can't. We absolutely can't allow this. And. It it won't pass the House. It won't become law. But the fact that you've got Republicans on board, even 10 to 12 Republicans on board in the Senate. In the Senate. Is stupid. Means they've got to go. It's that simple. You can't. If you're voting for them, if you're supporting them in any way, you're supporting a Democrat. You're supporting a liberal. You're supporting. Continued open borders. By the way, if it became law, we said it then from the beginning. If this were to become law, it's it's permanent until down the road somebody changes that, which is likely never going to happen in our lifetime. So you've got Republicans that are fighting to make this permanent. No. All of them should be gone. Yep. Not one more vote for 
any of those and, and, that are on board and for that. understand because the 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 uh, uh, Democrats have been you know the Democrat leadership is saying we will we will continue with nine million a year yeah uh, uh, and we will let Russia win yeah unless you give us six million a year into your country that you can't vet. Right. Uh, and then we'll try to deter Russia. Right. And we said in the very beginning, we said, you know, Republicans need to be using this, but then you can make the same argument against the Republican leadership. Yeah. Because it's pure, absolute pure. And it's like, nope, sorry. Yep. Uh, you may believe it's important for, you know, Ukraine. Even if you believe that, you can't give up sovereignty of the United States. Right. Yeah. Let's open our border. Let's fight to open our borders so that we can protect Ukraine's borders. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't make any sense. And and, and, and the American people won't, won't buy it either. And again, this is not an administrative move, which means if it were to pass, it's not going to. But if it were, this is what they're fighting for. These 10 to 12 Republicans are actually fighting to make this Permanent law. No. Absolutely Never. not. Never. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Front Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and uh, good morning. Thank you for uh, being here. Uh, Biden spoke uh, to the UAW yesterday. Mm. That's, let's quickly play this audio. Guy. All right, we're going to talk more about it following the top of the hour. But I just I can't wait. I don't I don't want to wait that long to play the audio. Guy. All right, All right. Yeah. here we and this is a little moment of truth mm. and clarity from Biden. Yeah, here we go. We're fundamentally changing the economy in this country. And everybody's getting a little worried about it. Yeah. Absolutely Ab- true. Absolutely true. One hundred percent true. Right. <laughs> you've you've decided that you, as president of the United States, knows how to run the economy. Yeah. And so what you've decided to do, <laughs> because you talk about he's in front of the UAW, this is about EVs, you've decided that taxpayers should support a business that cannot make a profit and then force Americans to buy that product that Americans can't for can't afford and don't want. And that's how you revitalize an economy. Yeah. Any Democrat tell me where I'm wrong. You can't because right. that's what he believes. And that's why it's failing. And so the UAW uh, supported, endorsed Biden yesterday. Yeah. See, Sean Fain got up there and went, well, the vast majority of our, you know, membership isn't going to support him, but we do. Is exactly what we said. Yep. You, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know what to call people that pay their dues to a management, or excuse me, to to leaders that aren't Take doing anything. Take your money and do something you don't want them to do. Right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet Earth, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. It's official Red Eye Radio just won New Hampshire. <laughs> I don't know what we won, but we won. You know, I've never been to New Hampshire. I was thinking about that the other day. Uh, a friend of mine did a vacation and basically did the entire Northeast region one time. And it was like two weeks and they posted pictures on their Facebook and it, you know, looked great, but I've just never, I've never done it. Uh, one of my daughters went to Boston one time, you know, and I've had friends go up, you know, to New England and, and vacation, but I, I don't know. It's just, a, it's not on my, not on my radar, but maybe later when I retire, when I'm 95, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because I I like you know I don't have t- I don't have time. It, do it, that's the thing is that it, I don't know when I would find the time. It's like, well, and now leaving Texas, nothing against New Hampshire, but leaving Texas makes me nervous. <laughs> My wife was born in Oklahoma. Her sister still lives there with her husband, and we go Man. there a lot. We go to Oklahoma a lot. I love Oklahoma, and I don't get as nervous going into Oklahoma, <laughs> but getting on a plane knowing I'm leaving the state of Texas these days makes me nervous. By the way, a serious point. I was talking to a relative, uh, this is last year, I think, about this time. And having, because the, they were going to Atlanta. And I thought, okay. You know, and they had never been there. And it's like, okay, I got to learn how to, you know, navigate and get to where I'm going, which is, you know, common problem if you're going to a conference or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But what about these other cities that are having major problems right now? I mean, if they had a conference, which I'm guessing they still have them, I've never been, to, I, I've been to a, radio conference in san francisco this is years ago 92 i think and didn't really have any issues i mean we stayed close to the hotel for the most part but now if you were traveling if you're being you know for business if they're going to have a conference and they set it up in a city like san francisco or a city uh, like Portland I, conventions. Yeah. What's happening with conventions. I, That's a great point. Would you, would you want to go? And I would have to bow out. I'd have to say, look, I don't think so. No, I only do conventions from home. Yeah, exactly. Conventions and conferences from home. That's what I right. want to do. Yeah. I want to quiet, quit those things. You know, we went well, to, we, there luckily, was, we don't exactly. Uh, there was one event for the trucking industry that every few years, every three or four or five years, uh, is in San Diego, and it's beautiful there. Yeah, you seem to always go to that one, don't you? 
Yeah, it's funny how I, the last time I did it, uh, it's the it's for the trucking industry. It's the American Trucking Associations, but uh, the company Freightliner that builds big rigs, um, they're the number one uh, big rig, basically big rig uh, OEM, and they put on a private show at that show every year. And it's invitation only for their biggest customers, the people who buy big rigs from them, right? Well, that year, and you never know, and I've never had an invitation because I don't buy big rigs, right? But it's always everyone's guessing. Who do you think it's going to be? Well, that year I get back to my hotel. And I get up there and there's, you know, it's beautiful outside. And I'm hearing the Eagles CD like greatest hits and i'm like okay i'm looking out the window and i'm thinking one of these open air restaurants down at the ground level is playing some eagles really loud and i'm thinking okay i'm not bothered by it i like the eagles that's fine and then i realize i look over to my right and i forget the carrier that is permanently there uh the naval carrier that's permanently there in san diego and the private concert is on the deck <laughs> of that ship. Wow. And I talked to people who went. And they said the band came out as everyone was eating, greeted everyone, hung out with them like it was a cocktail mixer, and then got up there and performed every song. Like I said, it sounded like the CD. So they, it, didn't, they didn't think it was, like, too militaristic? No, not at all. Okay, I just wondered. That. Not at all. And about 10 minutes after the move, uh, about a few minutes after the music ended, fireworks, and then about 15 minutes later, a helicopter, which was the band, leaving. And apparently they had had a concert, I think a stadium concert, in that area the weekend before. Uh, but they've had the Rolling Stones. A buddy of mine sent me a, a picture from that. He goes, hey, here was the concert this year, and it was the Rolling Stones, uh, Elton John, in the middle of a room, just him and a piano and and all this. But San Diego stands out because it's so gorgeous. And I've had uh, other family members. My one daughter and her family went there for a wedding one time. And I want to go. Th- I want to go there because the, the 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 beach, the ocean uh, looks just terrific there. I, I want to explore. Also, my dad, um, you know, when he was in the Navy at, at the age of 18. Uh, spent a little time there, um, and so yeah, I you know there's so much of this country I haven't seen that I guess eventually I'll you know start building that list or maybe just get on a plane or hop in my truck and my wife and I will drive. But there's so much to see, so many great places to see. Yeah, one of these days because I've never been to the Grand Canyon. One of these days, but yeah. San Diego also. Mm. It's where my aunt Helen and her family lived. Oh, so yeah, nice. So. Didn't yeah? Didn't you say there was something they ran into some people that listened or something? Oh, was she that does, them? She does all the time. She yeah, my father. And it's like yeah, yeah that's, you know, it's like uh, you know, of course she's older. I mean, she's right, she's, yeah. she's got to be close to ninety or early nineties, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But her entire family, my cousins and everybody, right? You know, they uh, uh, they are there. And as you know, because it's West Coast, we're on like at ten o'clock. Right. Yeah. 
And yeah. and so she says all the time, yeah. friends, you know, I was listening to that Red Eye Radio. You ever hear those guys? Because it's my nephew. No way! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love uh, I loved the weather there. It reminded me a lot of Texas because you know SoCal is kind of that way. You know, uh, dry, warmer. Uh, loved that, um, and and I, I hear so many great things about the you know basically the wildlife in the oceans and how much you could explore there. I'd love to go fishing there. Uh, you know, just spend some time there. I mean, so many great locations. Somebody was talking the other day about um, passports. And I thought, okay, I keep my passport present. You know, I, I keep it updated. But I've got so much to see here. I can't think to my, you know, I know we want to go see Ireland, Scotland, you know, some things that have to do with our family tree and all that eventually but I've got so much to see here first, it seems, you know? Well, by the time I get the free time to do it, if I ever retire, yeah. I won't want to. We're going to have to, ta- <laughs> you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to take a tour. We talked about this. Do the show live from different locations. No. <laughs> and, the, and the reason I say no, uh-huh. I have a hard enough time with my sleep pattern right now yeah as i've been telling you yeah no it would and, be impossible and, and when you and when you when you travel and have to do things yeah and you we wouldn't we would never sleep yeah no, i don't sleep anyway so i'm good yeah i, <laughs> I need my sleep and i've had as as i've told you re- really it's been and, and the last couple of days it's been getting a lot better i think it may be the change of season but i sleep and anybody anybody who's working this shift right now you can relate to it Sleep is, you know, for me, sleeping is the most important thing that I do every day. You're al- it's it, almost 19 years for you. It's, yeah. Doing and, this and, show. and it's it's prioritized because when I first, remember when I first came on and I, did, I thought you took melatonin to stay awake? Remember that? <laughs> Everyone t- said, oh, if you work nights, you got to take melatonin. Oh, well, they yeah. didn't finish the sentence. Yeah, exactly. And so I... Like the first couple of nights, I was ta- I was I was like I was so tired on the air during yeah. one break. You were like, I can't. I, yeah. My introduction I'm so tired. And it's like you were like, no, you take it to go to sleep. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's like, and I'm starting on a brand new That's show, like a, and I'm. Half it's asleep. almost like a cruel joke, you know. Yeah, it, you know, because it, then it just it makes it. That but when harder. I first got on, I mean, I I remember I would. St- I, I thought to myself, okay, what I'm going to try to do is sleep like two in the afternoon, sort of what you do. Yeah. You know, one or two o'clock in the afternoon, and you know, sleep or four till, or five, whatever it takes. Or four or five, yeah, exactly. And, but but get up at eight, nine, yeah. or ten o'clock, yeah, and then go in. And I yeah. and I couldn't do that. I had to yeah. sleep when I got home. I just couldn't. You don't have to for some reason. I when I get home, I'm tired and I sleep. And so the sleep patterns changing again because because I sleep. Let's put it this way: I sleep like I. My goal is to sleep six to ten, six to ten. Right. All right. What it ends up being, what's becoming right now is just, and this is just the last week or so, which yeah. is like, you know, six to eight or eight thirty, and right. then I'm sleeping a little bit longer now in the uh, evening. In 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 the evening, but yeah. just you know, week ago, week and a half ago, I couldn't, I could not sleep in that second sleep shift, and I have yeah. to, yeah. and it's just, I can do the show if I'm tired. But there's like a wall, yeah. That is 
that when I don't get sleep that's in my head, it doesn't affect anything. I just hate being here. Well, I that, hate I hate yeah. doing the show tired. It's and, frustrating. And when I came in the other day, remember when I finally said, I got a, the sleep. I was so happy. I said, I don't want this night to I was telling you <laughs> off the air. I was like, I don't, we were walking out the door. I go, I don't want to leave. I don't want this night to end because I've been wide awake the entire night. And I love being, and now I'm, I'm wide awake right now, but yeah. I, I love it when I'm wide awake. I just don't like being tired and on the shift. And I have no problem sleeping on weekends. No problem with the first sleep shift when I go home. I'm always exhausted. But it's something that everybody who works this shift listening right now, you're shaking your head going, I relate to it because I'm always trying to find that, that, that proper place to, to sleep and get my rest. When I started in 96, it was my kids were small. And it was great that I could go home, get them off to school, mm-hmm. be at home. If the phone rang, I I was there. I could go to the school, get up, go to the school if I needed to, you know, help out. I'd get up when they got home from school and then maybe take a 30-minute, 45-minute cat nap before the show. And the show was different. Back then, it was music. Um, and even when we started moving into talk, prep was different, you know, back then. In 2001, after 9-11 is when we really started uh, moving into talk radio and, and talking news topics and, and, and covering the stories. And that became where I think it was really 9-11 was the, the changing point because I realized, okay, I don't, I, I don't feel I can sleep at ease because so much is going on. And so I want to, you know, basically be caught up at, at whatever time that is, two, three, four in the afternoon, sometimes five, and then get up and then recap, you know, at eight, nine, ten, whenever I wake up uh, before I come in. But everything, the cycle, the news cycle doesn't stop now. And there's so much that will change on a story. You know, you think about uh, the Greg Abbott move yesterday in Texas, right? I mean, that's a big move. That was a, Mm -hmm. if you looked, if you just looked, at your phone alerts, the way you and I have them set up, it's like, you know, because this is another thing, you know, with, with some of these, especially with Fox News, sometimes they over-dramatizing. You don't know what, okay, is that a real story? Is it just about something somebody said? Or, well, with the one with Abbott, it was a huge story. It's a big part of the next step in the legal battle between the state of Texas and, and the Biden administration. Uh, but I realized that, you know, I, I have to sleep when I can. And if I know I'm not ready to go to sleep, I just have to keep working until I am. And frankly, over the last couple of days, I've had a total in 48 hours of less than six hours of sleep. Now, yeah, I can't do that. Three days ago, I got seven and a half hours of straight, solid sleep. So I can't explain that. And it wasn't that I kept myself up. It's just I wasn't sleeping, you know, just one of the things to do in this. Well, job. I, you know, I've, I've and recently just because the and it has been and maybe because it's a it's election season, but yeah. the news cycle is so quick. Yeah. And, and I was I did some research because I was like, why can't I sleep in that second shift? And I would sleep, maybe go to sleep at six o'clock or five o'clock and wake up at six and couldn't go back to sleep or yeah. I just couldn't sleep at all. Right. And, and what happened was I was getting, you know, I was, you know, the, uh, I, I wake up and I get 
when I wake up five minutes later, I'm extremely hot. I got to take the covers off and the right. comforters and all that. I'm like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And did the research on it. And they said, because you're going from sleep to your mind is as active as can Work be. And mode. The, the adrenaline starts yep. flowing. Yep. And that's why you get hot. Yep. Yep. Your, and your metabolism is going into and, work mode. And it's like, okay, I just got to shut everything off. And if I wake up, yeah. don't look at the phone. Right. Because I will wake up. It's funny because I will go to, I've done this. I'll go to sleep. Uh, you know, if I went to sleep at five o'clock, I'll, you know, wake up at six. Three or four people have texted me. I answer them back. Okay, I just woke up. Now I'm going back to sleep. And it's like, can't do that. Can't do that. Once can't you engage that. in something, because then if I open the story and start reading on it, because I want to know the yeah. details of where we are right now. It's like, okay, it can wait because it may change between now and the time that I actually get up and start and, prep for work right before the show. And when you do, th- and when you do that, I mean, you want to go to the phone. It's like, it's... <laughs> It's talk radio cocaine. <laughs> no, it is. You want to? It's like I wake up. I got to find out what's going. On, I got to find. Out. And so you're basically. <laughs> well, the fear now, of missing fi- out. Fi- figuratively, it's like sleep or talk radio cocaine. Well, 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 and, it, and it's like yeah. you've got to. It's got to be sleep. You can't get that high yet. You can't. Don't even think about getting that. If you even think about why you're not going to your phone, you're not going to get back to sleep. Well, and That's the, the tough thing. Yeah, in the penny crypto market, they called it the fear of missing out, you know? Yeah. And yes. it, the, the FOMO thing. And and for us, fear of missing out on stories. It's like, no, but I want the latest. Well, you don't need, the, you'll have the latest later when you're doing your show prep right. at the time that you're actually waking up and getting ready for the show. But there's just you something know, that, that you, can change between now and then. There's just something, there's a, it's almost an, it is like an addiction, isn't it? No, it is. And it started. It, really like an it started on nine eleven because we were. Yeah. I was sleeping thirty minutes at a time, you know, on nine eleven, and for weeks. Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following uh, the bottom of the hour, the continuation of things that make absolutely no sense <laughs> at all. Yeah. And, and this is yeah. you, so the, uh, UAW uh, President uh, Sean Fain uh, endorsed uh, Biden yeah. and said Trump is bad. And, he's, and then he actually told Neil Cavuto that a great majority of our members will not vote for President Biden. At least because he said that be, out loud. Right, he goes, because it's about their paycheck, is what he actually said. And I'm like, he's but making no sense. Because their paycheck is also about their dues that they're giving you, and you're going to use those dues to endorse Biden. Yeah. I, it's just the most bizarre. And on the day that the stories are out there that Biden is vetoing the bill that would make it so we don't give subsidies to Chinese EV makers. Right. I, right. I, tell me how that makes sense. It's bizarre. It's a-
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we've, we've uh, talked a lot, Eric, about EVs. And we've talked about here in the United States that, uh, you know, the the number of minerals you would need to make an electric vehicle for the batteries and everything else. And that the left is against mining. And the Biden administration is against increasing mining. Uh, we've talked about the the fact that by going to EVs, so much of that material will be produced by China. Yeah. And just like when we talk about oil and natural gas, why would we be buying? Why would Biden be begging as he was doing last year? Remember? Yep. Begging Venezuela, begging uh, Saudi Arabia to produce more oil while doing everything he possibly can to stop it here. Now, he hasn't succeeded just like Obama didn't because of what they can do on uh, on private and state land. But that's the goal. And you just you shake your head saying, you know, why would they you know, why would they do that? We know what Biden did with the Keystone XL pipeline, killing thousands of union jobs. And he killed the pipeline because he said climate change. And then you had John Kerry. Is he his climate special Climate envoy, or is he ex? Is he former now? Outgoing. Outgoing. Thank you. Outgoing. Yes. Yes. It will take nine to ten months to clean his office. (laughs) Because Joe needs him to campaign for him. Yeah. My God, you've got to be kidding me. That's 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 for another day. But uh, (laughs) you you look at you you look at uh, it was uh, 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 Buttigieg's transportation secretary. Yeah. uh, Then his climate czar. And then, who's the energy secretary? Graham. Granholm. Granholm. Granholm, yes. Yeah. All said, well, no, if we're worried about climate change, you keep the pipeline. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter whether it actually makes global warming worse, in their opinion. Right. Not our opinion. In In their opinion, it doesn't matter. It's just you have to send the right message even if if it does the opposite of in what was what is intended right and it's just it fries your mind that he just killed those union jobs for no reason at all and so yeah we've been really hard we had the guy who you know remember uh, knew uh, uh, knows Sean Fain when mm. we blasted yeah. him last yeah. time right and we got into nice uh, little audio fisticuffs here we were well, attempting he, yeah, to cause he defend was him. Being, he was in a very nice way, trying to defend, you know, Fane, and it, sorry, you just can't. Because the fact of the matter is, is that union leadership is taking union dues and supporting a candidate that most of its members don't support. And now we have it from Fane himself. Well, you're actually, you're giving dues to your union to kill your jobs. Yes, ultimately, yes, ultimately, that's the worst effect. And if you see where the union movement is going, and by the way, just so people know, you know, my past, former United Steelworker and International Association of Machinist and Aerospace Workers Union. Right. And um, uh, (laughs) one time had to help review a contract when I was with the International Association of Machinist and Aerospace Workers because we were a very small local less than 100 people. So 
we had a business manager who was like on consignment. Yeah. And right. nobody trusted him. So right. they, when I worked there, they said, you have a college degree, Gary. Could you go over the contract? See mm-hmm. if, you, if it's good. See if there's any. And I did. And when they asked me, I said, yeah, you should, it's a good deal. You should sign it. The, like 9% increase immediately. I said, there's only one bad part of it. And they said, what? And I said, well, because I've only been here, well, I forgot I was here like a year, year and a half. I said, I'll be the first one gone. Yeah, right. Because they're going to management when it, that's economics. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the first ones gone. Yeah. When it, uh, when, when that happened, I mean, that's just the way that it uh, works. But I said, yeah, you guys should you know, sign it because it's a good deal for you guys. And But I'll be gone. And I was, but, um, I, you know, I, but we, they didn't trust the, they, we didn't trust the business manager. There was no trust from our small local to the national. And that was with, mm. that wasn't with the steel workers. That was international association of machinists and aerospace workers, that union that I was in. Uh, so, um, when you, when you see, I know that I know the people that I worked with would be furious uh, I mean, they've all got to be retired by now, but mm, yeah. they would all be furious if this was a situation that's going on right now with the UAW. But when you look at the union movement to begin with, where could the union movement have remained stronger in the private sector? Uh, trying to unionize Starbucks? <laughs> or, which by the way, it would, like with any, and I'll classify them as fast food, uh, type restaurant slash beverage company, they have a massive turnover, massive right, revolving right. door. Right. So that's so seniority right. and that kind of thing. Sorry, it's not. It, it it doesn't apply. Or and we've talked about, for example, oil workers at a union. Those are extremely hard. Those aren't easy jobs. They're hard technical jobs. Yeah, that a lot of people can't do. And you better know and, what you're doing at every second. Right. So if you're looking at, you know, okay. If you if you say to yourself, "I'm pro union," what do we do to grow the union? Well, you're delusional if you believe Starbucks is the way. Right now, the union movement has, as you know, as we have said, when you go back to the uh, the early union leadership, uh, you know, George Meany, for example, absolutely against unions in the public sector, absolutely yeah. against right. it. Right. You know, FDR, who was a union proponent, absolutely against unions. In the in the uh, in in government because right. government doesn't make a profit right and the whole point of a union was the company is too greedy and they're not sharing uh, with us so we need to band together in order to protect our work rights and make more money you Let's guys be honest, about yeah, making more money the company produces something we're a massive part of the fundamental right. from the position of the union fundamental part of that production well the government doesn't produce anything. So from the union perspective, you would look and say, okay, what are the jobs out there that, number one, uh, are you know, extremely hard to do, uh, but, but uh, technical in some way? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would look and you would say, the oil workers, yeah. you know, oil yeah, and sure. you know, uh, uh, fossil fuel, mining, fossil, things like that. You'd look and go, you know, or highly dangerous, whatever, and you say, okay, those are the things that we really need – those are the things that we have an edge. Management has to negotiate, you know, with us 
because we know that, you know, these companies and, and we saw it, you know, with assembly line workers and everything else, even though probably a lot of those union jobs may be more technical now than they were before. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at it saying this is a this is a point where we can unionize and we can have a force that if, you know, American companies in that that build products that are extremely, you know, that are technical, that that's where they need us more than the Starbucks revolving door. Right. And uh, you would look at it and say, okay, this is where, this is what we need to focus on. And so the fact that the unions just fell over and didn't criticize Biden and that they're still, you know, supporting Biden or we, you and I remember the, uh, the uh, West Virginia coal miners union. Oh man! And when they endorsed Obama, and Obama had already <laughs> promised to 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 kill coal or the the coal miners union, right? To kill coal jobs, right? In two thousand eight, and, and yeah. they endorsed him. Yep. And then in twenty twelve, when they realized, oh, this guy's trying to kill our jobs, they didn't endorse anybody. Right. Well, eventually, in a union, you're going to have to say we need to be in an extremely profitable industry. Right. We well, need, if, exactly. Well, if you look at what the EVs are doing by government mandate. To the to you know to the the uh, uh, auto workers uh, in America, they're getting killed because the companies won't pay the same for EVs. They right. can't make a profit on right. it. The more profit you make, the more of a chance you have of getting a better deal and making more money. Well, that's the whole thing. Is that it, it's about better pay and benefits, right? But the, all of that is useless if you don't have job security, and that's why we said. You know, we, and this is, I think, ticked off the guy who knew, uh, who called us, who knew Sean Fain, when I said, we actually, by the opinions that we hold, that, that we hold, that the government regulations and what they're doing, the mandates on EVs is so bad for you, you can make the argument, we are more pro-union yeah. than the union leadership that you pay your damn dues to. Right. And so... Yesterday, Sean Fain comes out and says, you know, I'm endorsing, which means if he was just a per- meant to be a personal endorsement, he wouldn't have to tell anybody. Right. When he says I'm endorsing, he means, you know, the I will be supporting, you know, the Biden administration. He'll be campaigning. Again. Uh, it, yeah, and he's not right. campaigning as, as just Mr. Right. Fain. It's it's who he is that, that gives him credibility in uh, – and that's the whole point of that endorsement. So now how does he get on stage, by the way? Our members want Joe Biden. He can't say that. Well, Here it is. Uh, uh, United Auto Workers President Sean Fain announced his endorsement of President Joe Biden on Wednesday against former, uh, against former President Donald Trump, uh, though he admitted the working class people are hurting. At a conference in D.C., he praised Biden for being by the union side every step of the way. Now, it's bad enough that he's supporting Biden, but that's an outright lie. Yep. That's an outright lie. And every union member, every UAW member right now, including that friend of Sean Fain who called us a couple of months ago, you know that. Yeah. Biden's the one that told you to go learn to code. Yeah. And so... On that same day, you get the story, because this was Wednesday, yesterday. On Wednesday, Biden vetoes the bipartisan bill protecting the U.S. electric vehicle industry 
from China and and would stop giving subsidies that would go to Chinese companies to help them compete against American companies. And Biden vetoes it to allow it to continue, which harms the U.S. EV industry. Yeah. Here's Sean Fain talking uh, with Neil Cavuto uh, yesterday. Listen, listen to this genius. Yeah. Look, let me be clear about this. A great majority of our members will not vote for President Biden. Uh, yes, some will. Uh, but that's the reality of this. Uh, the majority of our members are going to vote their paycheck. Are going to vote their paycheck. Going to vote their paycheck. All right. No enthusiasm at all for doing it. For he completely lacked enthusiasm, and then said, "Most the great majority of our union members will not support President Biden because it's about their paycheck." Well, then you're not about their damn paycheck. Well, that's it. It's unbelievable. He's, what he's saying is, <laughs> our union members believe that we have a greater position. Under Trump than yes. with Biden. Yes. As a union. As a union. Right. But they, voting with their paycheck. Oh, their paycheck, except for their union dues, yeah. which will go to Biden. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's our Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. More coming up on the uh, UAW president endorsement of uh, Biden. Plus, did you see Van Jones yesterday? Wow. Well, I mean, he's just, <laughs> they've got to be hating Van Jones right now. <laughs> CNN, com- CNN commentator and ex-Obama official Van Jones argued in an appearance Tuesday that the jobs available to the black community are crappy. Oh. Well, whatever economist and political strategist uh, may say to the contrary, facts and feelings are very different, Jones said in response to a recent report. The consumer sentiment is at a highest level since 2021. People keep telling me, you've got great employment numbers in the black community. Aren't you happy? He said, yeah, but they're crappy jobs. By the way, I don't believe that. It was CBS went out. To test that the other day, I saw CBS went out. I got to find the report there. Hmm. See if, if we got the reporter saying it. They went someplace. They asked every single person, you know, do you have more confidence as the economy? No, 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 no. That consumer confidence that they talk about, you know, in November and December just skyrocketed through the roof. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, is that, okay, you have a what was a good job, right? Adequate pay. Um, and then it comes to spending everything. You go to the grocery store. You pay your bills. And that's why people go, no. Because their spending power yeah. has been depleted greatly. So, no, the economy isn't good. Because they're not making it. And it affects everyone. It affects every single American.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, when you look at Eric, when you look at the liberal movement uh, today, uh, one thing that we have said over and over again, because, uh, you know, you see the polling out there saying that the uh, the, the public is upset. Yeah. Right. They're upset about the border. They're upset about inflation, which is their economy. Yeah. And one of the things that, that hasn't been talked about or even polled, because I think this is something that uh, the media is either missing on purpose or they haven't thought about it. You know, when you talk about credibility of an administration, you know, we've talked about that one of the one of the biggest problems we have in this country is not politicians lying, but supporters of those politicians allowing the lie and enabling the lie. And, you know, we've we've talked about the, the fact that if you tell a lie often enough, people believe it. But if you tell a lie often, 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 often a lot, often a lot, often, often. <laughs> people start stop believing you. And I think that's what's going on in the administration right now. I'm going to play this quick audio cut here uh, from uh, Kamala Harris. Okay, here we right, go. Right. Uh, explain why they're unpopular in the economy and everything else. What's going on? Here we go. So you're right. We have a lot of accomplishments. And I think what the American people want most in their leaders is that we actually get things done. And we have done it. We haven't taken adequate credit for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Can we hear the last part again? Huh? <laughs> okay, let me, I'll play it again. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. So you're right. We have a lot of accomplishments. And I think what the American people want most in their leaders is that we actually get things done. And we have done it. We haven't taken adequate credit for it. <laughs> no? Well, what do you mean? They're, they're taking credit for things the American public don't believe they should be taking credit for. Right? I mean, that's that's the problem. But, you know, when we played... Sean Fain earlier, head of the UAW, who's endorsing Biden. One of the things that he did in, in, in that audio cut, we pointed out, or not that audio cut, but in the, 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 the quote that, uh, that we had uh, uh, before, where he said, you know, uh, Biden has done, you know, everything for the union worker. He stands by, he doesn't. And, and day one, Cutting the, the thousands of jobs from the Keystone Pipeline for no reason at all. There right. was no reason to do that. Yeah. None. Yeah. Not even from the liberal perspective of climate change. Right. They believed it was the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. Still just cut them because that's what you do. Learn to code. Yeah. Anybody, learn to code. Learn that's to what code. you do. Learn to code. Yeah, learn what's code. wrong with you? That, that everybody on the left is lying to their own constituents. Yeah. And that includes, as we said with Sean Fain, he lied about that. 
Mm-hmm. And we all know it. And then he made no sense, had no energy was on, when he was on Neil Cavuto. But everything on the left right now is a lie. And they keep repeating the same lie over and over and over again. And I look, they've, they've lied for such a long time on the economy. You know, for example, you don't hear anymore. They don't try because they lied about it for a significant period of time. And then it was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. How long did they lie that increasing prices, for example, if you tax gasoline more, remember that yeah. if, if we have a windfalls profit tax, then uh, gas prices will come down. Yeah, because it starts with the oil companies are greedy, so we're going to tax them. Well, they'll just pass that along to the consumer. No, they'll stop being greedy at that point. Right. That was that was completely and totally bizarre. People have figured that out. People sort of know. You know, they, they finally figured out, oh, okay, if the government forces you to raise, uh, raise, raise wages, mm-hmm. that is going to have some type of negative economic impact on you. To deny that. Yeah. And who am I thinking? Oh, yeah, at least, at least Light, Lighthizer, who was the, uh, who was, um, uh, uh, Trump's, uh, uh, Really, tariff advisor, who mm-hmm. we disagreed with so much. Tariff czar. <laughs> uh, tariff czar. Uh, and thank thank goodness Larry Kudlow came in and Steve Moore came in yeah, and, and, right. and others, and, he, and Trump listened to them. At least he's being honest and saying, well, that's the price you pay. Yeah. Now, when he, well, he's sort of being honest because he, in, he's being honest by saying that's the price you pay for tariffs but then trying to tell you that that's a better way to run an economy. Well, yeah, dismissing it as a a small thing. Right. That's just part of the... Right. Well, no, you can't just... Because he's been asked specifically on it. So what you're saying is if you do a tariff to save one job in the the auto industry, but it kills two jobs on the supply chain, supply uh, side of it... Right. Because when you looked, for example, at the, the steel tariffs... $900,000 $900,000 per job. Hmm. That means if that if somebody was, you know, if if a steel if a steel worker was making $80,000, that means $820,000 that would have gone for other jobs is gone. Right. And it's like doesn't matter we like tariffs because it saves this job. We don't talk about the jobs that it hurts because we can tell you that we're saving these jobs. And nobody really pays attention to the jobs that are lost over here. Right. And and Picking so, winners and losers. Right. And Lighthizer is no conservative. That's my point. Yeah, He's, right. If you're yeah. promoting what he promotes, he is as liberal as you can get, yeah. as we have stated you know, many times before. Which is why we're happy that Trump did not, for the most part, he did on steel tariffs, though, and on aluminum tariffs and some other things, but... The broad tariffs he didn't do, but that's what he's, <laughs> that's what Trump is threatening to do. By the way, did you, I, I thought just very quickly and then back to, um, back to, <laughs> back to the Democrat left and, and not the Republican left. <laughs> but I thought when, when, uh, and I said it yesterday when Trump was saying that we're going to get rid of the, uh, uh, we're going to get rid of the debt, we're going to get rid of the debt. Mm. And when I saw the quote from the other day, there was sort of a comma, and I thought it was separate from it. I thought he was talking about oil. And 
from what I get, he's been doing this at rallies saying that we're going to pay the national debt by selling oil. Yeah. The um, United States doesn't sell oil. Private companies sell oil. Yeah, we we don't. We The federal government creates the law about exporting, but they don't own the oil. Right. And I until I, it was an article in the National Review, I agreed with some of it. Some of it I didn't agree with, but they did break down how much oil you'd have to sell in order to get thirty four trillion, well, pay thirty four trillion dollars. Yeah, and it's like, okay, he's just saying that because nobody has object, nobody's objected. Go, does that make sense? Unless can you actually pay the debt mm, through uh, selling oil? It's like, no, you can't. Unless he has a plan to invade Saudi Arabia. <laughs> or unless is unless is his plan to nationalize oil companies so the government sells it. <laughs> but I thought the thing was I thought it was so because I went well no he's not saying that because that's absurd I mean that's bizarre right. I mean yeah. there's no way you could and and apparent if that's what he's saying and according to the, the the folks at National Review that's what he means by it because he said it more than once that isn't true we're not going to pay off the debt. By by oil, but see those no, are some it, of the. I, I don't I don't want sim, I don't want simplistic falsehoods that can be economically easily disproven to be coming from any Republican, including Trump. Well, but the answers have been given by his surrogates, and and by the way, by us, you know, some of the answers in terms of what we think needs to be done in order for the economy to improve, not the national debt is a massive, massive, that's the Everest in front of us, and we're going to have to climb it or fall off of it, uh, however it goes. But improving the economy, expanding the economy, brings your buying power back. So you talk to the American families, you address them, hey, this is what we want for you. By doing that, if you want to get into the weeds on it, then we increase the revenue to uh, the uh, the federal government, and that will help. I don't have any confidence at all they're going to address the national debt. Uh, I, in fact, have all the confidence that they use it to spend more money. But you could make that case. We're looking to expand the economy. It's not going to happen with one industry. Energy is a vital part of what we do as a nation in terms of mining. It's everything. And it's something we've done from the beginning. And frankly, we do it better than anyone on the planet. And we have greater reserves. If we look at all the methods and all the reserves that we have when it comes to uh, energy that's in the ground available to us that right now has a global demand. That's that's been the case for a long time. It's a matter of choosing the people that have the will to allow that to happen. And we need a long term policy of going after what we have and capitalizing on it in order to be the basis of expanding the economy. It's not that hard. We just have to say, yeah. Let's do it. And over and over again, 
You're seeing the Biden administration shut everything off. Well, no more natural gas, not just the Biden administration, other liberals, other Democrats. No more. We're going to basically we want to ban natural gas. Which is going to be the death of the uh, many small businesses, especially restaurants. And and, you know, all these things that they're doing to destroy the economy. Telling you, by the way, trying to tell you that it's a more efficient means of, and they want you to think also cleaner, but more efficient way of delivering energy when we all know that's not the truth. It isn't. And the EV mandates, we've seen it. Tell me all the key, tell me any of the key players right now that haven't had a concern with this that were on board just a couple of years ago. We saw the Toyota CEO said, if you want to buy an electric vehicle, that should be fully the choice of the consumer. It shouldn't be influenced by any exactly. government. Exactly. Let the demand right. lead. I Look, if, you, if, if that's what you want and that's what you want to drive, go for it. It shouldn't be mandated. And outlawing other behavior, driving uh, the the uh, combustible engines and, and gas and diesel-powered engines, would crush the economy. There's no way to get it done. There's no way to get it done. It's not going to happen in our lifetime in the way that it's being rolled out and mandated. Period. We're not moving to a more efficient means. Just ask those people that couldn't charge their phones or charge <laughs> their phones, couldn't charge their cars in the cold weather. Oh, we're having a problem. Even the CEO of Ford, when he did the Route 66 thing recently. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I guess in the, in the lightning. I guess uh, we're going to have to, you know, really ramp up the number of charging stations, you think? But it was the it was I just found the article from National Review, Dominic Pino. No, no, Trump, the U.S. can't pay down the national debt with oil. Right. The repeated claim from the GOP frontrunner demonstrates the total unseriousness of today's fiscal conversations um, and says uh, uh, Trump and his Iowa victory speech. And when I read this, I didn't put the two together because I thought they were separate. He said, we're going to drill. We're going to use that money to lower your taxes even further. We gave you the biggest tax cut in history, and we're going to lower it further. And we're also going to pay off the national debt. I thought they were separate topics. He's claiming that starting last June with Sean Hannity, he described oil as liquid gold, a phrase he has now used elsewhere. We talked about that last week mm -hmm. and suggested the value of the oil on the ground is enough to do all sorts of things, including pay off the debt. And then he goes and says, if we sold all the oil that we had today, all of it. You'd come up with $6 trillion and still be for $34 trillion. So, you know, you don't need to do that. No, all and you I, have to say and is... And I know we're hitting both sides here. We're hitting right. both. We're hitting both the... But because uh, we started on the union thing. But I just... It just made me remember that because I didn't put it together. And we'll see. I mean, if, if Trump has asked it, we'll see whether that's what he means. Because I didn't think that's what he meant. To, because it was my analysis of it was and it seems like you know he went a little too deep into this my analysis of it 
again, I was applying my, my, the way I think to it was expanding the economy and we'll, we'll, by expanding the economy, we'll help to pay down the national debt. I, by the way, I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think they will be disciplined to pay down the debt. No, it's a combination of both. Exactly. To improve the economy, the, 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 the benefit of improving the economy right now more directly in terms of connecting to any American family is we want to improve your spending power and bring it back to what it was so you're not struggling. 86690 Red Eye. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, expense receipts related to on-duty slash not driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for uh, being here. What did I want to? Oh, there's something else I wanted to hit here. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, I can't remember what you and I got talking during the break. And I, it's like, I forgot. Well, we will get to this coming up here the about the California bill that would require <laughs> governors on automobiles. Speed limiting devices on automobiles. Mm-hmm. We already talked about the bill that was that has been passed, and probably most people don't know about it. We talked about it when it happened. I bet you most people didn't probably hear us that night because not everybody's listening at a particular time. Right. But the bill that by 2026, right? Yeah. Would make it that you would have all the facial and eye monitoring things, cameras in your car mm-hmm. to see whether you're tired or in- inebriated. inebriated, yeah, uh, high, whatever. And mm-hmm. this uh, would also in California add a speed governor limiting device. Wow.
bringing on the chaos. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Let's head to a couple of uh, of, of calls. We go to Rick in Colorado. Rick, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. How are Hi. you? Very good. I, w- I wanted to bring up a point about what you said about Trump's speech. You don't understand how oil is drilled in this country or natural gas or CO2. When you go into to any oil company to drill anything, you have to get a permit. In a sense, that makes the government in partnership with you. If we started applying the money that we got from there on the national debt, we could make a good-sized dent in it because oil is worth so much. But it's not just that. Okay. All right. Well, let's hold it. Let's stop there. Let's let's stop there. Let's examine what you said because you said, I don't know how it works. Uh, how much, for example, let's look at the last year of the Trump administration when we pumped record oil and natural gas and the leases were being opened far more than in the Biden administration. How much in 2019 did we get from all the oil and natural gas leases and whatever other leases we used for mining? What was the total amount? I do not know. It was four. It was four. It was. was, Let me finish here. It was four billion dollars. All right. Four billion dollars. Yesterday, from two days ago to yesterday, the debt went up thirty two billion dollars just just in one day, 32 billion. So if you're saying that 4 billion a year is going to make a difference in a debt of $34 trillion where we are going up tens of billions of dollars in debt a day, then uh, apparently I'm not the one that understands how the system works. No, with all due with all with all due with all due respect, with all due respect, go ahead. You claimed I didn't know how it worked. I'm telling you, I'm telling you with the specific numbers off the top of my head. I know what the numbers are. So just be very careful. Just no, just be very careful when you say I don't know how the system works. You said it. You made the allegation. All right. Here's my point. I said it would make a dent, and I'm also th- just talking about oil. You said significant. You said significant dent. Extreme abundance of it, you and also CO2 and logging and mining, and all those things combined does make a dent. And if you stop the spending, in other words, first, and then you start to dine back on that with that money, fine. What has what has dent. what has Trump said he will cut? I'm, I don't understand. You just said I'm, I'm repeating. I'm, I'm answering what you're. I'm responding to what you're saying. Oh, yeah. You're saying if, if we cut, debt, if if if, if we cut. Well, let me tell you this. All right. If, if you take, spending. let me tell you this because the because we know the figures. If you take, let's say, the United States, we nationalize the oil companies where the oil companies didn't make any profits, where all the profits, everything went to the federal government and you took all of the reserves that we currently have 
which are roughly 80 billion uh, barrels of, uh, of, of oil, the current reserves. I'm sure we have more, but that's currently what the Energy Department says is available to us. If you took all of that and put it on the market right now, you would get roughly, and this is every single dime of profit, or excuse me, every single dime that you get from that, which of course doesn't happen when private companies own it, you would only raise $6 trillion. You would still be... You're still missing my point. I'm not trying to say not let the companies have a profit. They deserve a profit. I'm not trying to say... I didn't say you were. I didn't say you were. What I'm I'm telling you is... If we all spend... What I'm begin to pay that down using his system. You're not listening. You're not listening. You're making you're making this up, Rick. You're making it up as you go along. You don't have a clue. You don't have a clue of the fiscal situation that we're in here in the United States. I just pointed it out to you. I'm not saying I'm not saying we're going to national. I'm not saying we're well. Then I, I I don't care what you are. You're clueless. You're absolutely clueless on this. And that's the problem we have I in America. I think I think it's the other way around. You're not listening to my full point. I didn't say that we would cover it. I didn't say don't make a profit. I didn't say that they don't... I didn't say profit. you did. I didn't say, I didn't say you did. I didn't say you... Rick, Rick, stop talking. Rick, stop. Put him down. Put him down for a moment. I didn't say you did. I'm telling you what the problem is. I'm saying if you nationalized it, because you said in the system we have right now with the for-profit oil companies that we could make a significant, I'm quoting you, a significant reduction in the debt. I'm telling you that's completely and totally false. And I used, I didn't say you said this. I said to give you an example of the situation we're in, if you have if you took all the oil reserves that we have right now, total, and you cashed it in right now, you would only raise $6 trillion. That's what I'm saying. I didn't say you said it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting words in your mouth. There's a lot more to it than this. I live close to a reserve that used to be the U.S. National Reserve for Oil. There's several plans to get it out. There's... Since we've been punching holes in the earth, we've taken out about 4 trillion barrels of oil. In that one place alone, just near my home, there is another 4 trillion barrels of oil. And I'm trying to say that if you stop the spending and you use that profit that the government would gain off that, we can significantly reduce the debt and eventually eliminate it well wait a minute four trillion barrels of oil would take you a hundred years number one to drill that's why i said that all of the available resources now because the recoverable oil that exists today is around 80 billion that we could get right now right now we could get that that's available we have the ability we don't have the ability to get that now but that's the reserves if you took all of that today and the government got all the profits from it, not the oil companies, but the government, you would raise six trillion. And so yeah, and the I agree and, with and that. so that's not r- my point. 
<laughs> well, my point is, well, oh, my point is over. Number one, you said. Number one, you said you need to stop spending, and that's why I asked the question: What? Who has proposed major cuts in spending that you would need? Now, Trump is the one that's apparently. Again, I'm still not sure if that's what he meant. That's why I asked the question because it didn't make sense because it's so bizarre. I didn't believe he. I don't. I don't. I would like to see more of the speeches because when i saw it the other day i didn't believe it but when i read the national review article i went is that what he actually means and i my point was we couldn't do it even if you had took all the recoverable oil today and cashed it in today you'd only raise six trillion you're saying cut spending and so i asked since this is about trump what has trump said he will cut that would get you to this point but I don't, it, it isn't his responsibility, it's Congress's, okay? And th- this has to be done by Congress as a general point. But I'm trying well, to. Well, no, you would need, you would need Trump to, no, Trump's a part of it. He would have to approve it. What has true. Trump, yeah, tr- tr- Trump has said, Trump has, you know, he's talked about the fact that we can't touch, we will not change Social Security or Medicare at all. If you don't hit entitlements, you cannot get, do- you cannot balance the 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 budget it's impossible we have now we're, now we're part i haven't looked into myself because i'm not an economist uh, okay but so i don't know what you could or couldn't cut but i do know there's a lot of pork tons of pork there that could be cut well again everybody says it but nobody can put it into numbers right and I you've got it you got it you got you got to be able I'm not, a, I'm not an economist you know. Well, we well we but we looked at it. We know we know. For example, if you take if you took because the majority of Americans, including the majority of Democrats and Republicans, believe you could balance the budget by getting rid of wasteful spending, which nobody knows what that amount is, and foreign uh, and foreign aid, which roughly would be what Eric about fifty sixty billion yeah dollars maybe, maybe seventy maybe seventy tops. yeah you wouldn't come close to solving the debt that again Rick my point is. Most people don't understand what thirty-four trillion dollars in debt is. That's why we broke it down. Right. We 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 broke it down very simply a couple of years ago. And I'm doing the latest numbers. We probably did this about six months ago. Roughly, the United. If you break down the budget, it's like somebody who makes forty thousand dollars a year is spending sixty thousand dollars a year. Every year, they're yeah. spending sixty thousand dollars. Now that means. That if you want to balance, even not not if you want to pay off the budget, not not even pay off the budget. If you just want to stop the deficit, you'd have to cut roughly a third of your spending. If you cut a third of the spending, America will never do that. We'll never cut a third of the spending. The public would go crazy. But right now, the debt is the situation is we make if somebody makes forty thousand a year, you're spending sixty thousand dollars a year. You've got. Uh, credit card debt of $340,000 that you have to pay off with uh, with bills that you have to pay, which is entitlements and everything else, over the next uh, yeah. 10 years of $1 to $2 million. Is that fiscally possible to do? It's not. No, it's not that. You That's the that, problem. That, that type of system, you would right. never get that done. But here's also one other thought there that, what I'm talking about is make it a zero budget. So, in other words, we only spend what we can legally take in. 
Number two, use that money from those leases. And I'm not just talking about oil. I'm talking about natural gas and uh, timber and mining and et cetera. And use that money to start paying down on that. Right, and as I told you... We either have to do that, or we're going to go bankrupt. Right, but what I'm telling you is to pay... To, to pay $34 trillion with the interest now on it alone. And remember, the, um, uh, the $4.2 billion uh, is from oil and natural gas. And those revenues... For an entire year. For, and, and those revenues are 86% of the total revenues from minerals, geothermal, uh, 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 you know, uh, timber on federal land. So you may talk $5 billion. If you stop spending today and you have $34 trillion and the interest on it each and every year now is a trillion dollars, the $5 billion a year doesn't do anything. It's like it's trying like, to pay your debt off, your, your massive credit card debt off $5 a month. Well, it, it's like paying if yeah. if if you look at well, if you five dollars a year if if you have a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt and you're putting ten bucks on it a year yeah basically that's right it. and yeah. so the only that's other the only other possible solution is you print the money hand it to them and say never loan us money again that's the only other possible solution yeah in other words if you yeah. don't implement the general plan that I was talking about what do you do you don't have another outlet. This is a friend of mine. When it was, I remember it was twenty-three trillion. We were in debt. A friend of mine and I did a little quick math in the office one day. At twenty-three trillion, we the the bills. If you use one-dollar bills without go out and orbit Jupiter before it came back. To yeah, yeah. Look, I, I didn't mean just staggering. Yeah. Look, 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 man, I, I didn't mean I didn't mean to get loud with you, but I just we weren't on the same page. I just wanted to get on the same page. And, I, and now we're ending the conversation on the same page. And that's good. Look, you know, so. um, my family's been a part of uh, oil exploration and production for many years, decades, generations, actually. Um, it's what we need to be doing more of as a part of expanding the economy. It's always been from the beginning especially since we poked a hole in the ground in Pennsylvania and found oil, this is going to be the wealth expansion that we need, but it's not going to pay off our national debt. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's right on radio. He's Eric Carley. I'm Gary McNamara. We just did a little bit more figuring here. And uh, just to put it in perspective here, and I'm glad that we ended the conversation on the same page because that was important. But if you if you take the $34 trillion in debt and you look at, because the last caller was talking about the leases, all the leases we have, oil, natural gas, lumber, mining, everything else, be roughly about $5 billion. If you use that and if you stop the interest on the debt today, it would take you 6,800 years to pay it off just to put it in perspective of how bad the situation is with our debt in America. Horrible.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.